is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. I'm George Matasek. This June, Archbishop William E. Lurie ordained eight men to the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Baltimore at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen. That number represents the biggest class of new priests in the Baltimore Archdiocese in more than four decades. The Archdiocese is also seeing an increasing number of men applying to become priests. Joining us to talk about vocations to the priesthood is Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Roth, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. George, it's great to be with you. So this is the time of the year when newly accepted candidates for the seminary begin their formation. Uh, How many new seminarians do we have this year for the Archdiocese of Baltimore? Well, I'm happy to say that we have 12 new seminarians. Uh, We're really excited about the men that have have applied and now are beginning formation. Could you tell us about them? Uh, Where are they from? What's the age range? What's their background? Sure. It's it's pretty diverse. Uh, we have guys that have entered right out of high school, some after college, um, and even a few after having worked uh, a bit. They're, they're from across the archdiocese, so I can't really say that there's a consistent thread uh, other than a, a strong desire uh, to serve. And so these men are, are eager to enter formation and to see where the Lord is calling. And you have some international candidates as well? Yes, we have three international students. And uh, what we've been doing is that we have been very pleased with the international students that are studying now, and they still have close connections with with men in their uh, home countries. And so they've been pivotal in saying, I think that this is another person that you might want to be in contact with. And so we've, in a sense, nuanced our international program a bit, and we've been very pleased with the caliber of men that uh, have been uh, coming across seas. Which uh, countries are represented? Right now we have um, some students from the continent of Africa. We also have men from the Philippines, uh, from Vietnam, and Colombia. And how many men do you have total information across across the, the, the classes? Right now we have 56 seminarians. Okay. And that's from entering their first year all the way up to men who are deacons who are eagerly and excitedly waiting for uh, their ordination to the priesthood. And that, that's a pretty high number. I think last year you had the most in four decades or so. Is is it up there, around there? It is, yes. Uh, it's pretty comparable. Uh, and especially given that we ordained uh, eight men this past June uh, to still have 56 guys in formation, um, we're very, very pleased and grateful. How many will be ordained next year? Right, six. Six, okay. Why why are you seeing these increasing numbers? Why, why are men attracted to the priesthood today? Especially in this time, it seems almost counterintuitive, given the climate and the popular culture. Why are men attracted to the priesthood? Well, George, I think a few reasons. Uh, First, I I absolutely believe that people across the archdiocese are praying. Uh, They want good and holy priests, and they're praying, and and the Lord is responding. Um, The second is that I'm very proud of the men that are in formation. And to me, they're the best advertisement 
Uh, we, we work hard on different advertisements and posters and that sort of thing, but it's seeing these men in parishes and in schools, uh, sometimes just simply in a, in a neighborhood where guys see these seminarians and, and recognize that they're men of, of virtue and um, very holy guys, but they're also normal. Uh, they like to play sports and they like to have fun. And they look to these men as well. I would like to be part of part of that uh, that group, if you will. And the last, um, even though I've been very grateful to be the director of vocations, uh, please know that this is not a not a a job that I do alone. And I'm very happy to work alongside Father Matt Himes, who has been doing a phenomenal job with with recruitment and discernment events across the archdiocese, from high school events to uh, young adult programs. So I would say. All of those efforts combined is uh, what is providing this increased number of seminarians. It seems like it has a good ripple down effect as well, because if you've got more seminarians, you can assign them to more parishes. So you've got more examples out there for other up and coming young men to consider the priesthood as a, a possible calling. Absolutely. When I travel around the archdiocese celebrating mass in different parishes or speaking in different schools, Everyone, whether it's teachers, students, um, everyone across the board, they're always impressed uh, with our seminarians. And our seminarians love being in, in parishes. They they appreciate being in seminary, and there's certainly value to that. But our men love interacting with the people of the archdiocese, and uh, so it's a win-win situation for us. What is the application process? If someone feels called to the priesthood, what, what's the first step? So it's a pretty thorough process, and, and I say that not to, to scare anyone, um, but we take this seriously. And even though we want uh, a lot of seminarians, we also have to be very careful that we're attracting uh, men who are of the caliber uh, to be able to be good and holy priests and have the aptitude and, and the ability to do so. And so it's a lengthy process of they write an autobiography and also an essay on priesthood. Uh, they submit letters of recommendation from family members and friends and their pastor. Uh, and they also go through a psychological evaluation. That's a two-day process where they meet with three uh, Catholic psychologists. And then at the end of that, they meet with a screening committee that's made up of, of lay people as well as priests. And then that packet of information of all those different resources uh, is presented then to the archbishop and he makes the ultimate decision. Um, as daunting as that might seem, I always tell men that are at least interested in applying that it's an application to seminary. It's not an application to be a priest. Uh, it's too daunting to think that, well, you're asking me to decide whether I want to be a priest today. It's to say, if I feel that there's a calling in my heart, that I think that the Lord might be inviting me to be a priest, but I don't know. That's really what the application is about. Many more, many years into formation is the time when a man is answering the question, Lord, are you calling me to be a priest? Well, that's not the question that's answered at the application. What are some of the signs that you might be called to the priesthood? Or, or how, do, how do you do that initial discernment to even consider the seminary? First, I, I think it's an openness to God uh, to, to simply pray, Lord, help me. Help me to do what you want me to do. And sometimes people feel that that might be oppressive because we want to, in a sense, feel this sense of liberation and independence. But when you think of it, God created us. God created us with our gifts and talents, and so he knows us best. And so he gives us a vocation based on those gifts and talents that are going to, going to bring joy and happiness into our lives. And so I would say just first a sense of openness, whether it's in private prayer at home 
or when you go to mass and receive communion, just that, that constant openness to wherever the Lord is calling. And then from there, if, if a young man feels as though, wow, I, I possibly could see myself doing this, have a conversation with your pastor or visit our website, Be More Vocations. Now, Father Matt has created a lot of easy resources to access so that um, the first step doesn't have to be this, this very scary moment. But just look through our website. There's information about other seminarians. See if, if any of that resonates with you to say, wow, what that one seminarian is saying about his background and his journey to seminary, I can really resonate with that. That seems similar to me. So I think it's an openness, prayerfulness, and then also don't discern alone, but allow someone else to walk with you. Again, whether it's a priest, whether it's someone from the vocation office, um, just don't do it alone. I think in talking to seminarians, one one thing I hear is other people might notice qualities in you that say, have you ever considered the priesthood? That that might be another sign if other people are pointing that out to you, that you, you might have that call. Absolutely. And, and for the folks that are listening, uh, I always try to say a fair warning here that sometimes an invitation is offered and, and a young man says, wow, thank you. That's a, a compliment to me. And I'll really consider that. But a lot of times if a teacher or a family member or friends makes that invitation, sometimes it's met with sometimes a hesitation or if not absolute refusal. But make no mistake that that invitation still plans to seed. We certainly have men in the program now that have said that, wow, it was a coach or someone that said, hey, have you ever thought about being a priest? In the moment, they thought it was the craziest idea that they've ever heard of. And yet here they are years later uh, studying in the seminary, discerning whether the Lord is calling them. So, yes, invitations are important, but don't get disappointed if someone says, no, that's not for me. You never know. It still may make a difference in that person's life. How did you discern your own call to the priesthood? What, what was the call like for you? So my uh, path to priesthood was somewhat of a circuitous path. I remember that I started thinking about becoming a priest when I was five years old. I went to a Catholic school and part of the curriculum was to go to mass every day. And I remember I wasn't this virtuous saintly kid. It was just, I, I liked the priest wearing different colors every day and uh, I like the idea of candles and I don't know, I just thought it was fun. And so when I would go home, I would turn my room into a church. I'd used my desk as an altar and built a tabernacle out of Legos. Um, but then I did all the normal things. I played sports and got into a whole lot of trouble and did all the crazy stuff through high school. Um, but that that call persisted. And it wasn't until after graduate school, uh, I was working in the field of psychology, that that calling kept kept nagging at me. And, and finally, I I answered, I had a spiritual director, discerned further, and eventually applied to seminary and entered. Um, and here I am a priest now 11 years. Uh, the one thing though, in particular, uh, the day before I was to enter seminary, I called the vocation director. He was uh, Father Jerry Francis at the time. And I said, Father Jerry, I can't do this. And he told me everything that I say to applicants now about entering seminary is not the decision to become a priest and it's just a step. But as I look back now, I just couldn't hear that. And so I decided not to enter the seminary. And I was great. I continue to be grateful to Father Jerry because he worked with me for the next semester and helping me to understand that it was not that big of a step. And thankfully, I was able to then begin seminary in January. And from that point on, I, I realized that this was where the Lord was calling me. That's great. Well, our guest today is Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. 
We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation, looking especially at a new propedeutic year that's being instituted in seminaries across the Archdiocese of Baltimore and in the United States. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Margaret Laurie, mother of Archbishop William E. Laurie, died September 3rd in New Albany, Indiana. She was 103. Margaret married Francis Laurie when he returned from serving on a U.S. Navy ship during World War II. The couple had celebrated their 73rd wedding anniversary in January 2020 before Mr. Laurie died a month later. In a 2019 interview with Catholic Review Radio, Archbishop Lurie said, quote, We were not a wealthy family. We were a hardworking family, and they provided a beautiful, faith-filled home. I had a brother, Frank, with special needs. I saw mom and dad not just go the extra mile, but go the extra five miles, and they loved my brother until he died several years ago with truly tender parental love. Margaret Lurie is survived by her sons, Archbishop Lurie and Joseph Lurie. Archbishop Laurie celebrated a Mass of Christian burial September 7th at St. Anthony of Padua Church in Clarksville, Indiana. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. We're talking about vocations to the priesthood today with the vocations director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Father Stephen Roth. Father Stephen, thanks for being here on Catholic Review Radio. George, happy to be here. Father Roth, uh, American seminaries throughout the United States this year are instituting a new year of formation called the Propedeutic Year. And this was something that was encouraged by Pope Francis to give new seminarians a a whole year of prayer and discernment before they delve more deeply into their theological studies. Can you explain for a layman what this new year is and and how the Archdiocese of Baltimore is implementing it? Sure. So this is a year of preparation. Um, It's a year purposely intended not to be heavily weighted with academic work, but rather to focus on prayer, uh, fraternity among their brother seminarians, and also some social outreach, uh, in particular to the poor um, and to the elderly. And so it's a year that helps the men to really get a a strong foundation in service and in prayer, so that in the next year, as they enter into their philosophical or theological studies, they have this foundation that they don't, in a sense, get distracted uh, in the sense of thinking that they're studying to become professors of philosophy or theology. But again, working from that that ultimate foundation of, of prayer and service. And how is that working here in the Archdiocese? We have two seminaries in the Archdiocese. We have Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg and St. Mary's in Roland Park. How is that being instituted? 
So this year, the Mount has opened up the Rother House, and they have 30 men in the propedeutic program. Uh, St. Mary's is working on what they're calling the McGivney House, and they should be up and running uh, next year. I just spoke with the director out at the Rother House a few days ago, and I'm happy to report that he's very pleased with the men that we've sent out for the propedeutic year. We have five five men in the program, and uh, it seems to be off to a great start. So this would be mandatory. This is the very first year it's required for all the seminarians? It is. It's it's lived out in a different way, though. So if a man is entering seminary right out of high school, we send him to a, a seminary down in Washington, John Paul II Seminary. And so they incorporate the propedeutic year into their program. If a man is, is entering the program having already earned a college degree, then he enters into this propedeutic year. Um, because again, What's happening at John Paul II is a concurrent process, both of earning an undergraduate degree and this propedeutic program in the first year, whereas men that already are entering with the degree, uh, they're solely doing the propedeutic year. So how many years does this result in for total formation? Is, is it still roughly six or seven, depending on if they're college educated or not? Or, or how, do, how does that work? What's the total number of years, roughly? Well, it's it's a tough question, George, because... What hasn't been decided yet is we have a pastoral year, and the pastoral year is another year where a man is living in a parish for, for the entire calendar year. Adding this propedeutic year, we also want to be mindful that the program doesn't turn into something where it's 10 or 12 years of, of formation. And so there's still some question once we see how the propedeutic year is impacting formation that will determine how or if we amend the pastoral year. So, so right now I would say generally it's a propedeutic year, two years of philosophy, and four years of theology. Now, I know this year has been instituted elsewhere around the world. Other countries have had this longer than the United States. Uh, what do you think is the thinking behind the Pope's interest in, in expanding, that, that, that kind of mandating that every diocese have this propedeutic year? Uh, this is just a guess, but I think that the Holy Father is very concerned about the spiritual well-being of our, our future priests of the archdiocese. And not in any way did I think that the formation program prior to this, this new implementation was lacking. But this is much more intentional to say right out of the gate, we want to focus on what is most important, and that is prayer and service. And, and so I think that, of course, no program is perfect. But I think that by having this propedeutic gear, it... it very much has this keen focus on what is essential in being a priest. And what does propedeutic mean? Yeah, a year of preparation, okay. uh, a year of, of, again, trying to, um, to develop that, that firm rootedness in, in what is essential to, to not only uh, be a priest, but simply to be effective in the formation program. Okay. What are some of the other things the Archdiocese is doing to promote vocations? not just to the priesthood, but to other callings and the diaconate, religious life? So in addition to Father Matt and myself traveling around the archdiocese, we've partnered with some religious communities. Uh, Father Matt has reinstituted some fiat days, which is focused more so on uh, religious vocations for women. Um, Father Matt has been doing some young adult programs where it's not simply focused on discernment of a call to priesthood, but simply discernment in general as to how to be a, a good and holy man. Uh, our Covatus days and also the Covatus camp, those are uh, events geared towards high school students. 
while the backdrop is always a discernment towards priesthood, it, the greater call is this call to holiness. And so we try to be intentional that as we are inviting young men to participate in these events, that it's not a bait and switch where we invite you to the event, there's no pressure, but in the end, we really want you to become a priest. It's more of the talks, the activities, um, some of the fun events uh, during the Covadis camp in the summer, the guys go whitewater, um, they go tubing sometimes or biking. It's all geared toward helping them to be good and holy men. And we believe that by doing that, that then makes them much more open and prone to, to not only hear where God is leading them, um, but to follow. It seems like a lot of the Catholic schools are also being more intentional about vocations. I, I know Sacred Heart Glendon has had a day when they've invited people to speak about vocations. And I attended one at St. Joe in Cockeysville. Their school also had a day when there was a panel discussion and the kids ask all kinds of great questions about what it's like to be a priest or, or sister or brother. Right? Are you seeing more of those kinds of things throughout the Archdiocese? Absolutely. Both at uh, at the school level, parishes, whether it's a youth group, a confirmation class, uh, they're constantly calling Father Matt or myself asking for us. And we love going to those events. And you're right. The children ask wonderful questions. Some are, are deeply insightful as to the depth of a vocation. How do you know that you're called in a particular direction? But other questions, they can easily be dismissed as, in a sense, goofy questions as to what's your favorite flavor of ice cream or your favorite color. But those are still important questions to me as well, because I think that they help humanize us as priests, that we we sometimes, because we have this incredible role to celebrate Mass and, and to, uh, to celebrate the sacraments, that we can almost appear to be beyond uh, approach. And that, that can't be the case. We, we're just normal men. And um, I, I like to think of the one story I had when I was at Immaculate Conception in Towson. And um, I invited the fifth grade class to tour the, the first floor of the rectory. And one, ch one child asked, can I see what's in your refrigerator? And the teacher scolded him and said, no, no, that's, that's really rude. And I opened it and we had some chicken and bread and lunch meat and some things. And he looked surprised. And I said, well, what, what did you think would be in the refrigerator? And a true story, he said, oh, I don't know. I just thought that you would only have bread and wine. <laughs> um, I think it's important for students to see us as is real normal people. And I think that that, again, helps in the discernment process as well. I remember at the St. Joe Cockeysville event, when the kids asked what, what was the most unusual thing you've done as a priest, and there were all kinds of great responses. Uh, Father Kevin Farmer talked about being in a movie. He was in Ladder 49, and the yes. kids got a kick out of that. And, and I think uh, Monsignor Hillgartner, the pastor of St. Joe in, in Cockeysville, Cockeysville, talked about blessing a ship, a cargo ship at the port of Baltimore. So it gives the kids another another view of, of the guys behind the collar, I think. Absolutely. What can people in the listening audience do to support religious vocations? First and foremost, prayer. Uh, and, and I think that prayer is transformative because it's in prayer that the Lord helps to reveal who he's calling to particular vocations. But prayer also helps to open the hearts and minds of those who are listening that are those men and women inviting. Because sometimes I come across folks where they'll say we're praying for vocations, but in reality, it's they want men and women to become priests and sisters, but not in their own families because they have their own idea of, well, I want my son to be a doctor because my husband is a doctor, or I want my daughter to get married because we want grandchildren. 
And, and I realized that it's a sacrifice for moms and dads to put aside their own desires. But I, I have to say, both in my own life, as well as with my brother priest and working with our seminarians, um, what the Lord has in store for us far exceeds our greatest expectations. And so to be open, uh, also for those who are listening, we have uh, incredible resources at bemorevocations.org. A lot of information, both for seminarians, parents, um, just a, a ton of wonderful uh, activity or resources. I think it really just at a fingertip. And I, I know a lot of the women's religious communities have come and see kind of days where they'll, they'll invite women to spend some time in the convent or, or accompanying the sisters on their ministries. So that, that's another opportunity. Absolutely. And some of our schools and parishes are also having joint events where it's not just simply inviting priests and seminarians, but inviting sisters as well. I, I know I'm going up to Immaculate Conception in Towson, I believe in November, and it's a, a joint day, both with some priests as well as sisters. We have about 30 seconds left. Could you just remind us once again of the website where people can go for more information? Sure. The website is bemorevocations.org. Uh, again, I think you'll find it to be very fruitful uh, and informative for, for everyone. Great. Well, our guest today has been Father Stephen Roth, Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Roth, thanks again for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, George. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.